of minded hearing it read. <laughs> In memory of dogs I've known. The neighbor's Irish setter, Steve. I was only three, and a dog named Steve didn't sound odd. I remember how he laid on the front steps and let me pet him and brush away the gnats that flew around his eyes. Our black cocker spaniel, Inky. She appeared at our back door one day, dropped off by the local cops who found her wandering around downtown. Our small town commercial district. <coughs> she collected our dirty socks and hid them in her bed. She followed us, my brothers and me, when we walked to the movie theater and when we emerged hours later, there she was, waiting in a shaded corner to walk us home. Our dachshund Shotzi. My mother put the puppy in my sister's Easter basket, but this little wiener dog was for all of us to help fill the hole left by Inky's death. She used to greet visitors by bringing her food bowl into the living room and sitting up in a begging position. It was a wonderful sight to see this long body and short legs struggle to sit up and beg with her forepaws. The Great Dane that my daughter and her fiancé adopted and named after the lovable princess bride giant, Fezzik. He taught his owners how to love each other as well as a lumbering dog who needed lots of walks and food. He was so trusting and can you call a dog compassionate? Yes, he was, and tolerant, when I, familiar, unfamiliar with the protocols of walking a dog on a leash, would take him for a tour of the neighborhood and watch him leave his P-mail on uh, selected trees and hydrants. The mix of leopard dog and retriever, her body nearly all white except for the tan leopard spots on her ears, my other daughter and her fiancé called her Stella. She assumed the now traditional family role of grand puppy. Funny how couples these days learn to become family by owning a dog together. When I knocked on their door, <coughs> I learned to lean forward at ready to catch Stella as she came to the door wanting to leap out. After she died, I still found myself expecting her happy rush. Thank you. This is a song we'll sing a little bit of the refrain of in between the storytellers, so you'll have plenty of chances to, to learn it if you don't know it yet.
have four folks from Bethany who have agreed to share little short stories about an animal or animals that have blessed them. They'll be on the mic down here. Um, as they come up, I'm going to encourage us to clap. We can't kind of can't have too much clapping. You know what I mean? They've, they've put themselves out there. So we'll introduce them. They'll get themselves situated. We'll make sure we can hear each other on the mic. Um, and then in between, we'll, we'll sing the refrain of that song. So um, will you please welcome, as she comes up uh, with our first story of a bless, uh, being blessed by an animal, of an animal, Sandra Hamilton. <laughs> morning. I'm bringing my pet family with me. <laughs> this is Midnight, and this is Fozzie, and this is Midnight Story. A stray black cat would slink by our house when we first moved in. Before long, we saw a tabby, and then a black and white cat, and then kittens, and pretty soon we figured there was a problem. <laughs> uh, we got involved in a TNR program, uh, the first cat we caught was Midnight. Uh, this was in 2005. As she recovered in her trap in our basement, now with her distinct clipped left ear, she seemed calm enough to, le to let out. I was wrong. She thrashed about, going crazy in this alien indoor environment, jumping onto the window ledge and tearing at the walls. I opened the door and she was gone in a flash. Strangely, she hung around outside, attaching herself to our very reclusive next-door neighbor, a lady uh, by the name of Gloria, who was known for her green thumb, her love of animals, but not much time for humans. After years of freezing winters outdoors, Midnight became an indoor cat. She opted for Gloria's basement for warmth and peace. More years went by, and in 2015, Gloria, who had no relatives or close friends, and never, ever let anyone into her house, passed away. As I sat with two neighbors by her bedside in Illinois Masonic, I told her we would look after her cats, midnight and 1 a.m., both <laughs> originally feral cats. <laughs> Midnight's blessing is that she brought us closer to a neighbor who once distant and remote had become our friend. She allowed us cautiously into her life sitting on her outdoor bench, giving me gardening advice. She knew a lot about uh, Chicago politics, cats, dogs. She watched our girls grow up over 10 years, and even today we miss her, and we remember her quirkiness and her dry humor with wonder and appreciation. Midnight, in the meantime, has become our beloved and tame pet, almost. <laughs> She's now arthritic. She's on daily meds. And she can be seen curled up under the hydrangea bush in our front yard in summer and on the basement couch in winter. She has been a great blessing to our daughter Kaylee during COVID with her willingness to snuggle and purr on contact. This year, we also said goodbye to our other 17-year-old cat, who was really Eva's cat, Mel, uh, another alley rescue. And along with our guinea pigs, um, our beautiful dog, Fozzie, our previous dog, Millie, all of our pets have been a blessing for which we have been most grateful. Thank you.
welcome your next storyteller, Judy Beaupre. And then we can have a little second round of clapping. Circe and Calypso from my son Peter, who had been a classical studies major and named his two black kittens after characters from the Odyssey. Um, he adopted them right after college and enjoyed them, but a few years later he met and married Anya, who it turned out was very allergic to cats, so Circe and Calypso had to go. When they moved from Midtown Manhattan to where I lived in rural Vermont, Circe and Calypso got something they'd never had before, access to the great out of doors. They could roam through yards and woods. They could chase mice and terrorize birds. Sorry, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> but they always came home at dinner time until one night Circe did not. It would seem she had embarked on her own odyssey. I soon learned from a workman who had been doing some repairs next door, that <coughs> um, when he got back to his shop at the end of the day and opened his truck, a very nosy and very traumatized black cat shot out and disappeared into the woods around him. The workman felt terrible. The neighbor felt terrible. And I felt terrible, especially when I had to tell Peter and Anya that I had lost their cat. So began the search. The workman's shop was actually on the other side of town, but I have to put that in perspective. St. Johnsbury, Vermont was a town of 7,000, so the other side of town wasn't all that far away. I looked hard for Circe. I posted lost cat signs on every telephone pole in town and got lots of calls. The local radio station, again, this is small town Vermont, announced every hour on the hour <laughs> for days on end that Cersei was missing with my telephone number. Peter and Anya flew from New York to Vermont to help look. And when they went home, unsuccessful, Anya wasn't ready to give up. She felt real, very guilty because it was, after all, her allergies that had set this whole story in, in play. So one night when she was sitting up Stressing over Cersei, she found a telephone number for animal control or something like that in St. Johnsbury. And so she called, even though it was midnight, she figured she'd leave a message. To her surprise, the phone was answered by the mayor. <laughs> Small town mayors wear many hats, I guess. <laughs> and he was very gracious and very empathetic and offered to share the story with all of the town employees the next day. Um, maybe this story, I, I was thinking about it, is less about my cat than it is about the people of a small town, or maybe about people anywhere. We all love our pets, whether they're dogs or cats or goldfish or hamsters, all of which I've had. Um, but maybe that's part of the story. They know that we love our cats, they know how important they are to us, and they get that. So I think that's a legitimate part of the story. Things might have been different 
if this story had unfolded in Chicago. Uh, this was in the early 2000s, and my daughter, who lived in Lincoln Square at the time and still does, did wonder aloud if, if her cat had gone missing, if she could call Mayor Daly. <laughs> I don't think that would have worked. Anyway, fairy tale ending. Three weeks after Cersei went missing, I got a phone call from a librarian who had seen a black cat behind the library. It was late at night, and I had just come back from searching that very area, but I went back, this time with a plastic container of dry cat food that I could shake, and looked for about an hour for a black cat in total darkness, and finally gave up and was getting back in my car, and when I turned on my headlights, there she was. <laughs> she had come home, and she lived happily, maybe not ever after, but for another 15 years. Welcome our next storyteller, Martha Phillips. was a good place to have a beer and a burger for lunch. My husband and many of the other uh, heavy metal sculptors, along with lots of cops, used to love to hang out there from noon to two, swap stories, find out the latest Elston, North Avenue comings and goings. Jerry, my husband, came home early one afternoon saying, Martha, I've got a dog in the van. I said, how'd the dog get in the van? <laughs> he replied, it was a stray living off food out the back door of the hideout. I said, well, how about that? How'd the dog get in the van? <laughs> She's real sweet and pretty, but kind of thin for being a street dog and all. Don't you think I should bring her in the house? But hasn't the dog already got a home in the van? <laughs> Well, she'd be better in the house. Okay, Jerry, bring her in the house, but you'll have to get up if she wants to go out for a walk before 6.30 in the morning. So in came a lovely border collie with long legs and some reddish highlights in her coat, particularly the feathers on the back of her legs. Jerry said she's got a collar, likes to sit, fetch, but there's no tags on the collar, so she's a stray and kind of thin. Of course I was hooked, but not about to take responsibility. What'll we, na what'll we name her, he asked. I said, how about Spot? He said, no, that's corny. Let's name her Valerie. <laughs> and that's how Valerie became part of the family. 
Now, you always hear about how smart, smart border collies are, but you never hear how they make high-maintenance urban pets because they're born to work and stay busy. Fabulous herd dogs, Sheepford in particular. They herd by eye contact and show their teeth, but fundamentally, they wouldn't hurt a fly. This dog was such an Einstein that the moment dinner was set on the table, she climbed the stairs to the third floor landing, third floor landing to watch over the three of us having our meal. Then the last fork got set down and the first person rose to take their plate into the kitchen and down Valerie came to supervise the cleanup and catch whatever crumbs might come to the floor. Manners for a royal court. Keeping Valerie busy was a full-time job and I had to develop a herd for her or I would have been her only sheep. She was always staring at me, moving a bit, me to the bit to the right or the left with a nudge or a lean. The most successful stand-in sheep I added to her herd was a grotty sock named Socky, stuffed with our old socks, many having been worn, with a big knot tied on the end, continually in her mouth, moving from room to room with her, and often went for walks with her. Then there was Porky, a rubber porcupine squeeze toy, which came close to driving us mad as she moved around the house called the pasture, mm -hmm. squeaking and squeaking. Valerie shepherded me for almost 15 years, loyally, affectionately, guarding me, my true devoted companion, until one night she awakened me. We had been lying together on the ground floor because she couldn't climb the stairs anymore. I knew she was beyond comfortable with life. And I believe she knew I was probably healthy and whole enough to go it alone. She let me in her own very Valerie way. It was time to say so long. It was from her I learned all life and all creatures have a spirit, and Valerie's spirit lives in me. And I like to believe she took a mind to join, a bit of mine to join the creator. idea to have people share their stories. <laughs> Holy cow. So grateful, so grateful, including for our final storyteller this morning, Nathan Schaefer. Good morning. This is Tag. Hey, Tag. He is a quite aggressive this morning. Um, He's a Yorkie and Schnauzer mix. He is 13 years old. I met him when he was two, and his name was not Tag. His name was Vince. <laughs> he was born in Indiana, 
he was um, now my husband's dog at the time. And when I met him, he was two years old, and I was not a fan. He lived in this tiny apartment in Manhattan, and he would run around the couch over and over and over again. And I said, he's got too much energy for me. Keep in mind, I grew up in Ohio on a farm. We always had a dog. They stayed outside. <laughs> when I was like, oh, he sleeps in the bed with you? I'll stay at my apartment. About nine months later, a hurricane hit New York City. And Tag and uh, my partner, they lived in an evacuation zone. So I said, well, you all got to come up and stay with me in the Upper West Side, which is elevated and safe from any of the dangers of the hurricane. And we went to bed that night, and he jumped up into the bed and cuddled right next to my side. And this was a very foreign concept and experience for me. And after about 10 minutes, I said, oh, he can stay. <laughs> he's so cuddly. Uh, he's now 13 years old. Um, thankfully, he is docile and patient enough that he can travel with us. He goes under the seat um, underneath, in, in front of you on the plane. He's been to 15 states. He's a frequent flyer, y'all. He also um, is so compassionate. If you come home after a bad day, when we lost some of our loved ones, he can tell when you're mourning and he will be patient and he will be kind and everything that you need a companion to be. I couldn't imagine our life without him and I am greatly appreciative of the chance to share a little bit of our life with him, with all of you and to anyone who wants to, you're encouraged to come up and give him some pets afterwards. Well, he will lick you. <laughs> That's his version of Chippy. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you.